Are you ready for episode three? (laughs) I sure am. (laughs) I do recommend that you listen to this episode in the evening time when you're getting ready to relax because Dustin, aka the Nerdy Buddha, has such a calming, relaxing tone of voice that it'll just help you get into that nice little cozy mood. This episode is a little different, I do have to say, but if you like things like Star Wars or The Avengers or Dune or pretty much anything nerdy, (laughs) or if you like the topic of the shadow and a psychological conversation, then you'll definitely enjoy this episode. So without further ado, I'm going to show you my new intro and then get right into that conversation with Destin, the Nerdy Buddha. Life is vital. Vital advice for your everyday life. All right, today we have a special guest, my friend Destin. He works with me and... uh, Basically, we've had a lot of discussions um, on like psychology, mental health and stuff. And he's just a kind of a wealth of knowledge on a specific topic that I want to talk about today. It's called the shadow. All right. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit about like who you are and what you do and why you uh, discovered and did any type of research on the shadow? I got into Jungian psychology. I don't know if you... um have heard about Jordan Peterson. Not really. Not really. No. <laughs> Before you even, uh, this cat's wanting to attack me. <laughs> she doesn't want to hurt you. She just wants to be friends. Hi, friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very talkative cat. So I, uh, okay. what he would do was he recorded a lot of his classes and he talked a lot about um, psychology and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he's big into uh, Jungian psychology. And like he would, he would actually have, he, I think he paid like one of his students to record his classes and he would upload them to YouTube. It was like, uh, I would say about four years ago, okay. maybe. So that got me into that. Yeah. The, from, from there, I just found it very interesting. And, um, I had also heard about him because like, I was also interested in like personality stuff. I've also heard about like Carl Jung and his influence on like Myers-Briggs that test so like I was introduced to the Myers-Briggs during college like everyone was doing it Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what kind of personality they had and I learned about the shadow on like TikTok and like everyone's doing shadow work to try to like improve who they are so that's how I knew about it so can you explain to me what the actual psychology is behind the shadow a little bit so like the shadow is as far as I understand, like I'm not a not like an actual certified doctor, but yeah, like, yeah, but like we're all just like people, right? But I feel like we all have something valid to say. Right, right. Um just just from what I've read into it, there's so there's the conscious and then there's the unconscious. The conscious is everything you know, whether it be about yourself, but in this case it would be about yourself. And then the unconscious is everything you don't know. In this case, everything you don't know about yourself. Okay. So um, the shadow is the entire unconscious of yourself. So it's everything that you 
everything that you don't know about yourself, everything that you might even repress or reject about yourself. And uh, Carl Jung, what he he advocates in his um, he calls the process individuation, which was it's the process that somebody can become an individual, like a true individual, rather than just being going along with the herd kind of thing. And the only way the only way someone can become a true individual is if they understand themselves truly. Only when you understand yourself truly are you not dragged along by ideas that you don't understand. You'll see in a lot of good stories, there's like a character, like usually the protagonist will have to learn. Let me actually give it a, a good example. The The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, yeah. Luke, Luke Skywalker has the dream where he goes into a forest. Oh, by the way, George Lucas, who wrote the Star Wars movies, yeah. was influenced by Joseph Campbell's book, The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which was... um based off of Carl Jung's work. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah. So it's like yeah. so integrated. It's like yeah. Star Wars integrated. Oh yeah. my lord. The, okay. the, um, if you look at Luke Skywalker's arc, actually across all three movies, Luke Skywalker's arc is supposed to be like the hero's journey, which is why everyone loves Luke Skywalker. We all relate to Luke. We all yeah. want to... You, know, you notice one of the things about him is he has to acknowledge the the dark side of his personality, of his self. Oh my God! Why did it take me until today to recognize the dark side and the light side? Oh my God, I feel stupid. <laughs> he, so they even do a, a visual metaphor. In, in the first movie, A New Hope, yeah. he, um, he starts off wearing white, which is like representing innocence. Yeah. He's he's. He's clueless about the world. Like yeah. he doesn't know what he's, he's doing. So he's innocent, but he's clueless about what he's about what he's doing. And yeah. then, um, you notice in Empire Strikes Back, the uniform he's wearing is like gray. And then, is it? Yeah, it's gray. And then in Return, oh my god, it is! <laughs> Return of Return of the Jedi, he's wearing pure black. He's he's like embraced the dark side of his aspect without falling into the control of the dark side. And there's also the other metaphor where um, when he beats Darth Vader, he looks at his hand, his robotic hand, just like his father has. He's like, I could be him. So in archetype, like archetypical stories, whenever a hero goes into the forest, they usually represents a character um, becoming more introspective. And they usually get a bunch of cool useful shit in the forest <laughs> he meets the wise old man yoda in the forest Shut up. yeah and um he has the one vision where he confronts darth vader he slashes open the uh darth vader's helmet and inside the helmet is luke skywalker's face yeah. he realizes oh shit this could be me so my question is, how does that relate to like the Myers-Briggs personalities? So I think one of the dangers of um, personality tests and whatnot, and the dangers of like identity, is that people want to just be told 
from the outside who they really are? I've, I've done like so many different types of tests online to prove to me what I am or to explain why I do things. Like it's one of my biggest passions is to find out why do I do the things that I do? So everyone always points to the Myers-Briggs test because they think it's the most accurate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I noticed about like the Myers-Briggs personality test and a lot of personality tests is that it splits everything up into like very dualistic thinking. Yeah. Um, so you'll have like, you're, you're either this or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like if you scored 51% on thinking, you would just think you were a pure thinker and never yeah. feeling. Because one of the um, concerns with that is that um, you could potentially repress the aspects of yourself that it doesn't label you because you to use like Buddhist terminology, you, you like cling to this particular identity. Whenever you do that, you, you can't, you can't really escape that. To, to me, that's what the, uh, Jungian aspect of it is. But, um, it, it did influence it like with your archetypes and whatnot. But the, the concern that I always try to keep in check is that, um, somebody can identify too strongly with archetypes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Graham, hello, honey. What's going on, hun? Do you feel like you have a shadow? Well, okay. Well, we'll we'll address it later. <laughs> My goodness. She's fully integrated. She really is. She's like, I'm so well informed. Let me tell you, I went to college, PhD. <laughs> um. So what I have been like looking into, like in regards to the shadow, like shadow work, right? What is that? Um. And I think the way that I learned about it is probably somewhat to do with what you're referencing about like the danger of like looking into archetypes and and putting yourself into this box of this is what I am. Mm -hmm. But like without doing some sort of work to integrate all parts of who you are, which is also includes the parts that you may not want to accept, you may not fully understand who you are. Right. Yeah. So People will talk about doing shadow work in regards to like witchcraft or in regards to um, they're just trying to become what is that word like they use like their dark fem- feminine coming mm-hmm. out like they want I want to be my dark feminine side mm-hmm. like but it's all just shadow work right so the um the anima archetype what would is that? um <laughs> I don't know any so of this. <laughs> okay um so the the anima archetype in um Jungian psychology is like it, like in a man it would be his feminine side okay. and um so say you have like this guy who's like he's been taught since an early age that he needs to be this macho okay. macho stereotypical guy um so the anima would be like the um everything that he rejects because he's told from an early age like all oh, that's feminine or girly or yeah. or whatnot Opposite of this, the animus archetype, which is what would be the repressed masculine aspects. Like imagine a girl that grew up being told all the time, like you can't speak up or something, or just do like, like name, name a stereotypical masculine thing. And Mm -hmm. she, she's told that she can't do this. So from an early age, she learns that she can't do these things. So she represses them. She labels them, whether she knows it or not, as bad, the feminine traits become like exaggerated Mm -hmm. and the masculine traits are still there because you can't get rid of who you are so they come out in unconscious ways in ways that you can't control and you you'll see this anytime you're dealing with people and there's like a random outburst 
of anger or whatever mm-hmm. that's um that's basically their shadow and they have no control over it oh keep going I'm yeah <laughs> that the reason that happens is because they've repressed these aspects of themselves and when it suddenly comes up they don't know how to control it because they reject it in themselves so like they'll say oh i i never freak out i'm always nice to people and then suddenly one day not so nice <laughs> it comes out <laughs> they're suddenly less than nice one day so would you say that like I guess in almost like a Buddhist or in any type of um, theology idea of like, it's none of it. It's everything, but also none of it. It all is just can be put down into what Carl, Carl Jung, mm-hmm. what Carl Jung has coined of different aspects of a person. Right. right. I don't remember what all of those are. You're going to have to tell me. But so when we are looking at like that's feminine, that's masculine, what we should actually be looking at is that's human. Yes. I love that. Yes. <laughs> Because um, if you don't accept everything as it is, you can't affect on what it is. I so love that's, that. <laughs> that's a good way to sum it up, I'd say. Um, if you can't accept an aspect of yourself, you're going to have no control over it. And it's always, it's always going to keep coming back. For right now, like, can you like, tell me the other sides of like the shadow? Like, What is other than the shadow, right? The, the opposite of the shadow is the conscious. As you make yourself aware of more aspects of yourself, mm-hmm. so like as they come up, you don't repress it or reject it or try to control it. Um, by doing that, you bring the unconscious into the conscious. And so, so now you become more aware of yourself. Okay. So what does that actually do for us? Like really? I know what I have in my shadow and I know what, what traumas I had uh, that made me want to hide them away from my conscious mind mm-hmm. um but what actually happens to us if we do acknowledge them and like make them a part of who we are so um i guess to give back to the previous example like so like the the guy that that can't control his anger yeah he, he bottles it up and then when it does come up he rejects it because he doesn't want to accept that it's a part of himself um if he becomes aware of that and doesn't hide away from it. Most people, if they have like an outburst and uh, you confront them about it, they, they'll, they'll try to make an excuse. They might, even, they might even deny it ever even happened. I've actually seen that happen where they're like, it's so repressed that they don't even want to acknowledge that it happened. It's, that's the place you don't want to look. The kind place of like. you don't want to look at something. Yeah. When we originally started talking about this, we, we used a whole bunch of different metaphors. We were like, the shadow is like all these things. And like, for me, like the shadow has always been what I thought of from this, the book, now the movie Dune, uh, when Paul takes the spice, he's the only person who can in that conscious mind that the Bene Gesserit use, go to a place that no one will look. It is this scary place. It's, they can look into like, the future they can predict things they can have premonitions that's what normal bene Gesserit witches can do but paul can look into the future and the past and all of that scary things that they won't even look at that's what the shadow does and what i think it's like a good example honestly because what that does for paul is that he becomes 
way more in control of who he is, I guess, like in a way understands his generational traumas and therefore understands why he has certain things that he does and he can control that better. And he almost becomes more than human once he's gone to the place that he, that no one will look. So that's what I thought of. And then you thought of. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So like an example, because like archetypes, the whole thing of archetypes is that they're stories that have been told since like the dawn of man. And they've just been told over and over and over to where we know that like in our subconscious. So like a good example of the, um, the shadow archetype in play is uh, Bruce Banner in the Hulk. Yeah. In, in Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> he's so <laughs> Bruce Banner is like very, he's the very mild mannered. Um, he's intelligent. He has maybe he's maybe like a little too self-controlling mm-hmm. and he's very polite, but then the Hulk comes out and it's just, it's just absolute rage and destruction. He can't control it. Mm-hmm. And you'll notice like he's in conflict with half of himself. Like he's literally s- split in two all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's part of the reason why you want to bring the unconscious into the conscious because then you don't have to suffer because you're no longer at war with yourself. So you'll see, I actually think, I think they underuse this plot point in, um, <laughs> That's pretty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they underuse this plot point in um Avengers Endgame where the Hulk integrated like his shadow yeah. and you notice he was in control of himself even in the Hulk form. Okay. I have a question. I was reading psychology today or something while I was at the gym today, and something came up that I think we don't think this might relate and I want to get you like your thoughts on it. And this idea of like humans are constantly in search of happiness, but the idea of happiness, that happiness should be our neutral state is a fallacy because all emotions should be accepted. All emotions should be felt and acknowledged and embraced and felt out so that we can have a neutral state that is not happy or sad. It's just, whatever that day is. So do you think that's like kind of like comparable? Yeah, I can, I can kind of see that um, with, so like it all comes back to, to me, like from everything like I've read and understood to me, like the main problem mm-hmm. in the world, the main problem in life is control and our obsession with control. So like the whole issue of the shadow you know, the whole reason it comes about is because we repress aspects of ourselves because we want to control. We want to control things because we don't trust things. Mm-hmm. And um, to your point about like happiness, one of the, the problems that I've noticed with people, I think I've even heard the phrase toxic positivity, which Ooh, is interesting. Oh, I like that. I, I haven't read much about it. I saw the term once. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Because yeah. when... Like a good, I thought about this actually just the other day, but when you look at like an animal and they're happy or they're sad, they're just happy or they're sad. But I've noticed whenever we get sad, it isn't just that we're sad. It's that we're sad that we're sad. And instead of just rolling with it, like whenever you're feeling like shit at the time, instead, (laughs) (laughs) instead of just rolling with it and just being sad so you can get it over with we get just angry at ourselves and we repress that 
that sadness. And then it, it becomes, you kind of see it becomes a, a double bind where you're like, I'm sad that I'm sad. And now that I've become aware of that, now I'm sad that I'm sad that I'm sad. <laughs> and now that I've become aware of that. Now I'm clinically depressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, you're depressed and on antidepressants. Exactly. Um, that article I, I was reading, I was like, they also said that if you are sad, you're turning up. There's a point here I'm trying to make, Graham. Hold up. The idea of that, like, I'm, I'm sad and I want to be happy is taking something that could potentially help you and acknowledging your sadness and that other emotion that's not happiness is actually a positive thing rather than being like, I want to be happy and making, it's like you're taking a positive thing in your life, mm-hmm. which is acknowledging an emotion and feeling what your body needs to feel. I wonder if I can like actually find it. Sure. Because I'm pretty sure I took a screenshot. I was like, that's, that's it. that is it. Here it is. Okay. The desire for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience. Yes. Because you're just dwelling on the like the, man, I just wish I could be happy. Um, I think it was like a quote from a war movie. I, I can't, I can't remember what it was, but it, it was like, um, like they're commenting on how someone was brave for doing something because he had no fear. And then like a guy responds, he's like, no, he's brave because he had fear, but he did it anyway. Like you can't be brave if you don't have fear. Yeah. So I think that's a good way of showing is like we're, we typically, consider fear a bad thing the, the whole problem you probably notice is, is like this dualistic thinking of good and bad yeah because yeah. once you label something as bad you're going to repress it in yourself and you're 100%. gonna and then you're going to point it out in other people so if you're able to embrace your fear and notice it and be at peace with the fact that you it exists yeah that it exists that you have mm-hmm. fear then you're like okay i'm afraid but I know it needs to be done and I'll do it. You took something that could potentially have brought you down and turned it into a positive experience. Accepting the negative is a positive experience. Yes. I love that idea. And I I think that the people that we look up to the most, at least what I look up to the most, are the people that feel their feelings. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I, I love happy people and I look up to them, but I also love the people that say, you know what? I'm not having a good day because it makes me want to bond with them. It makes me go, I have bad days too. Okay, so I have my own experiences with trying to bring the shadow forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll definitely talk about them. Because, like, honestly, when I figured out that's what it was, I was like, I've been doing this in therapy, and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it has been the best moments in therapy is when I was working with my shadow and bringing the, the unconscious mind forward. What was, like, your first time of, like, if you can recall, of when you really, like, I accept this part of myself? Um, so one of, one of the things I, I know, so I, I learned this from, um, it was actually Alan Watts that said that he was, Alan Watts is somebody that like studied, um, he's, he, he studied things like Buddhism and, uh, Taoism and all that. And he, he apparently, uh, met Carl Jung himself oh, and, and he, he said, um, um, one of the things he noticed about Carl Jung was that he could be anxious and not at all be upset with himself for being anxious. How did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily get angry at myself for being anxious, but I'm just so caught up 
in the emotion, I can't like, I can't see the light of day. I'm just like so anxious. So like, I, I would love to see someone who was just like, I'm anxious and like in control. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> it's just like, this is fine kind of thing. I'm just anxious, guys. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a panic attack. Everyone is fine. I'm, just, I'm only dying. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but he... Let me think of the way he put this, Alan, Alan Watts. He said that Carl Jung discovered that to the degree that we criticize and condemn others, we are to that same degree either guilty of it ourselves or we're capable of it. In psychology, this is what you call projection. We've all heard of projection. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where I started to notice it because once I heard that line, I don't know... Like sometimes you hear something it just kind of strikes a chord with you and I started doing that like every every day at all times like 24/7. I would notice when someone was just pissing me off or doing something I didn't like. I would just remind myself to the degree that I don't like that. That could be me. Nice. And Jordan like Jordan Peterson in one of his talks I think I've heard him point out like it's important that we know that we could have been the Nazis. What? Okay. Yeah. What? Say that again. Not louder, except for everyone, because like I'm like, what? Yeah. It's it's important to know that we we probably would have been the Nazis in their position, if if we were in 1940s Germany, and most people don't even want to approach that because, like, we don't want to. Be we, that. Yeah, we don't want to be that. Like, who has ever been like, other than like, I guess like the people that are, I just feel like are ignorant to the truth, my mm -hmm. personal opinion. Whoever wants to be coined as one of the biggest bad guys, the super villains of all history, no one wants that. But at the time, they didn't know what they were. Uh, in, in the eyes of almost everybody, they think they're the good guy. Um, Stalin thought he was the good guy. Hitler thought he was the good guy. But uh, that that's what I started doing. So once you started doing that, see, like, one of the things that I first noticed about Dustin, which is why I was very intrigued by his mindset, is that he always says things so positively about other people. He'll say things like, <laughs> you're so polite. Oh, my God. <laughs> You'll say things like, he means well when people do something so fucked up. I'll be like, what the hell are they thinking? And he'll be in the corner like Buddha. He means well. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you just say things that are like, you're all right. And like, you feel so good as a person, but you're like, I'm not. <laughs> I admittedly do it sometimes uh, facetiously. True. <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you feel like that's like kind of result of like bringing this like conscious idea of like everyone could be you yeah yeah i think um once you divide things up between good and bad and like dualistic thinking is that um you're you're naturally rejecting something so um like that that's one of the things i notice about like link like thought in general thought is just language in our heads and what what language does is it splits the world in half every word does because every word has its opposite and that's why whenever we think when whenever we discriminate try to acknowledge what's good what's bad what's the best what's the worst we naturally repress things mm -hmm. kind of like you can't have a 
you literally can't have a villain without a hero and vice versa. Everyone has a villain inside, right? And I feel like what I am like the most scared of and why I have started doing my own shadow work is like I realize the demons that I have and how they have been affecting my life. And like as selfish as that sounds, I don't want to be my own villain. Like I don't want to be the one destroying my life. Um, And so I have been doing like active work with the shadow and like questioning why I do things. That's like one of the things that um, I've done in therapy with shadow work is like questioning is this a destructive thought? Where is this coming from? Why am I having this thought? How can I shape it to be something different? Graham, you are so distracting today. You are not normally this distracting. Um, when I was at a, a job a couple of years ago, we were working customer service. So we deal with people in their worst mood, like absolute worst mood. No one is happy when they have to call us for customer service. So we were taught this lesson that someone else in their shadow work was taught in therapy and it was assuming best intentions at the person's worst. Right. And like you do this a lot. Uh, but essentially like his story was he came home from work and his wife was making dinner. He had a hard day at work, wanted to have comfort from his wife. And so he reached out to grab her shoulder to get her attention. And she shrugged her shoulder and like threw his hand off of her. And in his mind was she did that on purpose. She knew that I had a hard day. She could tell by the demeanor that I had when I walked in that I was not feeling happy. And this is how she treats me our marriage is over. Like immediately went to worst case scenario because of that one instance that where later on he found out that she was just so distracted with trying to make sure that dinner wasn't burning that she just didn't think and like moved his hand so that she could keep moving in the kitchen. Okay. So like her, she was, there was no ill intentions behind what she did, but his reaction to what someone else did was our marriage is over. This is not going to work out. This person hates me. So we were taught from that, that no matter what action a person does, we cannot read their mind. We don't know what their, what their mindset is. And so it's on us and our own work within ourselves to acknowledge, is this my subconscious mind speaking to my conscious mind and telling me these really bad things about someone I care about? Because that's not accurate and I don't know. Like the, the idea of like, I don't know and I can't project that idea, like you said earlier, projection onto someone else based on whatever preconceived ideas I have in my subconscious. Like there was so much more empathy yeah. in that job after we, we had that like change of mind. Yeah, when you work with someone through their worst, they connect, they, not all the time, but sometimes they'll come to appreciate that. And um, it's kind of like what, what Jesus said, I noticed in like the Bible, he says, um, they know not what they do. And I think that if people knew what they were doing and it realized it wasn't in their own best interest, they would stop doing it. I, think, I feel like I went on a tangent there, but totally I have no script here, so I'm <laughs> improvising. <laughs> it's fine. Like, I, I honestly was like, I have some questions, but I know that he's going to say some brilliant things that are going to take me <laughs> off. But, like, nah, I feel like that was all valid, and, like, it made me think about, honestly, relationships. Mm-hmm. How many times have I been like, he's ignoring me? 
on a text message that he's left on red. That's more than likely me projecting what I would do. And I'm a part of that environment. I create that field of my thought patterns and like my relationships. We have way more control over how our day is going to be than we give ourselves credit for. And we have way more control over our relationships than we give ourselves credit for. Because like you were the only person you will have for the rest of your life. And so most of the time, even if you have a partner, you're spending it only with yourself. That's it. It's just you and your brain. Mm -hmm. That narrative in there is a, a lot of our relationships is us interpreting what they're doing based on what we can understand and how our environment influence those thoughts. I still have a lot of work to do. Let's, I have so much work to do, which is, but like I'm conscious of it. So outside of like this sphere of just like doing research, have you done any type of journaling or like, is there like a special part of your shadow that when you discovered it, it like changed everything? I, when I started going down that path, like I went into a pretty strong depression because that's, what? yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it it kind of causes is like um you'll you'll oftentimes hear that when you start to become more aware as much as I hate the phrase self-aware then you become more depressed. To me like the final thing was like realizing there is no separate self cuz more and more I just got obsessed with like controlling myself like mm-hmm. I, I need to not think this, I need to not feel this way, I need to be such and such. Once I did away with that that's where things got a lot better. Sometimes I think the reason that things suck so much are because we want to make them better or we want to make them good. What we we want to fix things and we actually make them worse because we think we have control. Whenever you do away with the concept of self, you start to become um much more forgiving because you realize how much people are influenced by like their childhood ideas you start to realize like if i if i were in their shoes i had their exact same genetic makeup i had the exact same mind the exact same experiences i would be them and so i would do the same things that they do i think that's the biggest tool that i i love about this whole concept is accepting other people for who they are Mm -hmm. because i can work on myself i can never work on what they are they have to do that And so if they're not at the same level of like knowledge on what the shadow is, or if they don't know how to do that kind of work, my job isn't to try to fix that in them. All I can do is be like, that's their dance space. Like in last episode, that's just something that's not anything I need to be worried about. All I have to do is not allow my shadow to try to come forward in reaction to what they do. Once you deal away with like this, idea that they have like control over themselves like oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. once you deal away with that it's it's like it's almost like language with the whole concept of i yeah it's almost like we're trying to convince ourselves that there's a little man inside our heads that is controlling our body with like levers and mm-hmm. switches and buttons and stuff we're completely interdependent with nature and everything that's happening around us and one of the things I noticed is that I became much more forgiving once I did away with this 
concept because like someone can piss me off now and first off i won't be pissed off at myself for being pissed off (laughs) that's progress (laughs) and then i've noticed that like i've had like conflicts with some people and like now i can get over it like we can resolve it it doesn't mean that we have to be friends but now it's like less hard feelings whereas like admittedly in the past it used to be with me i would be like this guy's an asshole Fuck him. I hate him. He's a jerk. <laughs> the Dustin that I know now never would do that. So, like, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I can't even imagine you saying that to anyone. Like, that's, like, is shocking to me. But, like, I love it. No, like, it's all good. I'm actually going to uh, bring us back over to the shadow topic. Yeah. <laughs> the one that we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> It's okay. Um, So when I was first introduced to the idea of shadow work, I was doing it in the wrong way, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, I was doing it trying to address the issues instead of going to the source. That was like what I was doing wrong. So there was one therapy session that honestly has changed my life. um, And I want to share it with you. so I, I was in a group therapy session and the therapist told us to, this is virtually, so I'm in my house, mm-hmm. uh, close our eyes and imagine ourselves the way that we are at today and then slowly bring our age down. We're going down to like adolescence. And then you go farther, go farther and you go farther down. Like you have to actually imagine your face. How does it change? what what is different about my face what is what is my body's differences like everything you have to imagine every last part of it changing Mm -hmm. and the goal was to consciously find the age you were before you can remember or associate any kind of trauma happening to you at all like you had to go and some people went all the way down to the womb like they imagined themselves in the womb because they had trauma the day they were born. And then there were people who would like go down to the age of 14 and they would stop there. And then me, I went all the way down to the age of three. I had to go that far down to find where I didn't have trauma, which was like mind blowing to me. I didn't know when I was going to stop because the whole point was like, when do I feel like I've never had trauma? That was it. And so I stopped and I could recognize, and it's crazy that like your shadow, once you, you take take your brain to the subconscious, you can recognize so much more about what you know about yourself that you don't even realize you know. And that was one of those things. It's like, I know when I didn't have trauma. So the point that he wanted to make with this practice was like the idea of like, you're looking at yourself. Like, so you yourself have gone down the line the way that you are now until that age that like you can see each other, right? You can interact with each other. That's the idea. So like, would your younger self be scared? Would they be proud? Would they want to interact with you? Would they recognize you? Would you be a stranger to yourself? And then after you have like that initial interaction of like, do they know who I am? Which like, it, like, it makes me emotional. Like, would I know who I am at that age? And then we were supposed to communicate, a verbal communication with that person. Would they talk to us? What would they say? And what would you want to tell your younger self? 
it was like no guidance beyond that. Like there was no like, you need to tell them that how much you love yourself. You need to have like such a positive conversation. It was literally just let it happen. It was important for me at my age to see that three-year-old and remember that's where it started. So when things come up in my shadow work, or if things come up during the day, I have to remember that that three-year-old is the one that's experiencing it, not me. And I have been so much kinder to myself since I had that practice because it was not me as an adult experiencing it. I had to talk kinder to myself and like, how would I express this to a three-year-old that doesn't understand? completely world changed and I didn't know that that was shadow work when it happened but that's exactly what that was is like what am I hiding from myself what I'm hiding from myself is the part of me that's vulnerable it was I highly recommend anyone do this practice because like it's Mm life-changing and other people in the practice in this communication no communication happened at all they didn't want to talk to them and it was like they had to confront the idea that who they are now isn't someone that they wanted to be at 14. Any thoughts on that? (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I don't think I've heard of that approach. I do think that like the, uh, the shadow can be since it's unconscious, it's less developed (laughs) to go back to the Hulk. Um, you remember Thor Ragnarok where, uh, the Hulk was, um, he, he, he was learning how to talk, but he was very immature. Mm-hmm. Like he, he would speak like very broken, broken sentences and words. Like he was like a child. And uh, the Hulk it represents the shadow of Bruce, Bruce Banner. It's all those aspects of ourselves that we've neglected, that we've overlooked. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing about time travel is always um, like going back to like meet your previous self is kind of like interesting for me it's all almost like the um like the natural thing i fall into is like i would i would basically if i went back in time i would basically hate my old self and um i i could see that you wouldn't want to talk to the person yeah yeah so it's like it's (laughs) reverse roles almost but like i i would want to help them i would want to teach them some of the things i've learned but then like i thought about more as like but these experiences that I've had are how I've learned. If some terrible things haven't happened, then I wouldn't be where I'm at now. I wouldn't know what I know now. That's something I've thought about before. When you think about addressing the shadow, does it scare you? Uh, I want to say no now, but we reject like all the bad, right? Everybody listening can probably tell by now I'm a nerd by, by what I'm re- by what I'm referencing. <laughs> so uh, and um, without spoiling anything, because it's still going on now, Attack on Titan is basically that Attack on. So like spoiler alert to everybody w- listening, <laughs> um, Attack on Titan is like they I think it's I think it's three seasons and we're on the fourth now, the final one. Um the ideas in the third one, they show you from the uh, the Eldians' perspective um, of the war and how they're controlled so much by their lack of information about what's going on. But they, they did a, 
a really interesting like narrative shift in the final season where suddenly now we're showing it from the other guy's side. And um, I think that's very, very interesting because like it makes them human. And you, you start to realize that both both sides are just human and they both view each other. They literally view each other as monsters. They even use the word. Who is someone that you know who has fully accepted their shadow side and have become their dark feminine or whatever, like you, the concept that the society is trying to put it on it. Like the idea of like your conscious and subconscious now are working together. Can you think of like anyone? And you don't have to know them personally. Just like anyone I know personally, any, you could be someone, you know, personally, that's totally fine. But like, if you don't like, just like anyone like at all, not Carl Jung, that's a cop out. (laughs) Um, Eckhart Tolle. He's, he's pretty good. He wrote, he wrote that book, um, The Power of Now, which is a good book. Uh, the person I think of that, like, they might not have consciously done shadow work, uh, but they are, are very well rounded and balanced in their conscious and subconscious, and that's Sadhguru. He, mm-hmm. if you don't know who that is, like, you can look him up on Instagram, TikTok. He's everywhere, and he, he's, uh, I think, originally from India, um, and he just everything he says speaks on a level of such awakening and acceptance of the fact that he's imperfect. It's like so like amazing. Like he did like a special with Gordon Ramsay and we all know how Gordon Ramsay likes to be like fiery and like point people's flaws out essentially and flaws in their logic. Like that's how he has made his name for being Gordon Ramsay is being so antagonistic towards other people. Mm. And Sadhguru was trying to show him the benefits of being vegan because he's vegan. And Gordon Ramsay was just tearing him apart and like, uh, like talking down how terrible it is. And Sadhguru just turned to him. He says, you're having fun. So I'm having fun. I can see you're really having like a lot of enjoyment out of this. So like, it makes me happy. Even though he's like totally trashing him. He was just like, I like that you're having fun. I don't care what you say about me. And it was like the most balanced reaction I've ever seen anyone to what Gordon Ramsay does. And it almost changed Gordon Ramsay's approach, like almost immediately. Yeah, that, I think like a good way to sum it up is like when you kind of get into this mindset of like selflessness, which I keep using that phrase, but like it, and the topic is like the shadow and whatnot. To, to me, selflessness you is the goal of um individuation process getting out of your head which is yeah getting out of your head um shadow work leads to selflessness to me one thing i do want to emphasize is that um though we are not separate from our environment we're strung along by ideas that influence us and control us like being told repeatedly that this other race or these other people are monsters. Yeah. Um, I do think confronting your shadow and embracing it, making it a part of yourself in the same way that Luke Skywalker did, is how you truly make yourself an individual. Oh, I love that. And but when, like, is that a good thing, though? Should we try to be an individual? Um, most people, when they think of, like, I'm independent individual it's just it's very egoic like ident identity whereas like here here you're like you're an individual in the sense that um you're no longer fooled by the illusions of 
of thought. You're no longer strung along by thoughts. I and love that. The, this was what was... I, I was raised um, Christian, but when I got into Buddhism and Taoism, yeah. I noticed that it was less about good and evil and more about illusion and awareness. And when I came back to Christianity with what I learned from Buddhism and Taoism, I actually found myself understanding Christianity more. Yeah. And I don't dislike it. Like I still like Christianity mm-hmm. and it's kind of weird. Like I, in all, I think all religions are describing like the same truth um, in different words, different cultures. Mm-hmm. They just use the words and languages that they have to work with to communicate it. Cause words are really just like a finger pointing to something. All right. So I'm going to let you plug yourself. Okay. We've, we've talked a lot. We we've officially, killed the topic <laughs> essentially yeah. we've talked about everything so like l- let me know where like we can find you on like social media on stitch st- stitch what am i saying here um, twitch, <laughs> twitch. <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> just let us know <laughs> um so right now the only the only social media i have right now is twitch um so you can find me on there as delta victor seven uh, that's D-E-L-T-A-V-I-C-T-O-R-7. The number, not spelled when you, out. And when do you stream? I usually stream at um, 2 p.m. I think it's Eastern, Eastern time here. Eastern time, yeah. <laughs> Eastern, Eastern time. <laughs> Eastern time. So like every Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Great. Awesome. Boom. Wonderful. Okay. Thanks again for coming and like bringing your knowledge. I really do appreciate it. You have a wealth that I take from. And again, don't forget to follow Dustin if you want to watch um, some crazy awesome streams from a man who's basically my personal Buddha. (laughs) Okay. See you next week. (laughs)